0: Welcome to Shiloh Church. We hope you enjoy today's message. If you are in the Jacksonville, Florida area, please join us for worship or watch our services online at shiloh.church. Thank you. Amen. As you're standing, would you get your copy of God's Word and make your way to the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament? The narrative of Nehemiah we're standing together, and want to breathe a word of prayer, and ask God's blessings over our time together in the Word. And then I want you to hear the reading of God's Word from Nehemiah chapter 4, and then you may be seated. And together we'll listen for what God will say to us out of his Word today. Let's pray. give you praise, Father, for every expression of your goodness, greatness, and graciousness toward us. And in Christ's name, we pray that you would teach us the wisdom of your word in such a way that we stop. Focusing on the circumstances around us. Remember afresh how great and awesome you are. I pray, Father, that you would help us this hour to lay aside all filthiness and rampant wickedness. So that we may receive with gentleness the implanted word that is able to save our souls then help us to be doers of the word and not hearers only, lest we deceive ourselves. And Would you grant a fresh physical strength and spiritual energy. And I may speak your word with faithfulness, clarity, authority, passion, wisdom, humility, and freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. Nehemiah chapter 4 reading at verse number 10, Nehemiah chapter 4. The book of Nehemiah is about the rebuilding of the city wall of Jerusalem. God led a man named Nehemiah to oversee the people of God as they reconstructed the wall. And then once God rebuilt the wall, God then would begin to rebuild his people. Our text picks up halfway through the process. Verse 10. In Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burden is failing. There's too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. And our enemy said, they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work at that time the jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us 10 times you must return to us so in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall in open places i stationed the people by their clans with their swords their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Amen. Amen. This is God's word. You may be seated. I want to label the message, How to Deal with Discouragement. How to Deal with Discouragement. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 6, is a record of the people's determination to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem under the leadership of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 6 says, so we built the wall, and all the wall was joined together to have its height, for the people had a mind to work. Just four verses later, the record is in verse 10, that in Judah, the people were saying that the strength of those who bear the burden is failing and there is too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. The short distance between verse 6 and verse 10 is the burden of the message today. I stand to say to us, church, that it does not take much and it does not take long to move you from determination to discouragement. The late Jerry Falwell was noted for having said, you can define the greatness of a man by what it takes to discourage him. For many years I tried to shape my life and ministry by that principle only to find that it does not work. In fact, it's counterproductive because it treats discouragement as something abnormal. The fact is that you will inevitably face times of discouragement whenever you endeavor to do anything great for God. So let me tweak Farwell's statement just a little bit. You can define the greatness of a man by his ability to overcome discouragement. Did you get that? Discouragement is inevitable, but you must not allow times of discouragement to cause you to quit doing what you know is right before the Lord. That's the point of the message. Do not ever allow discouragement to cause you to quit doing what you know is right before the Lord. Nehemiah chapter 4 Gives us a strategy for dealing with discouragement. And I want to walk you through it as quickly as I can. First, how do you deal with discouragement? First, I believe the text teaches that you must accept the reality of discouragement. Accept the reality of discouragement. Satan had a garage sale one day. And he laid out all his tools and weapons and instruments that he uses to pry open a man's heart and undermine his faith. Amidst this horrible lot, there was one old, worn, beat-up tool. And as a man browsed about, he noted that old tool and the fact that it had a higher price tag than everything else on sale. The man asked Satan what the tool was, and proudly Satan said, that's the tool that I call discouragement. Discouragement. Why would discouragement be priced so high? To which Satan replied, because discouragement is my favorite weapon. And it is my favorite weapon because it works so well. But nothing else will pry open a man's heart. Nothing works like discouragement. And I can use it on almost anyone because very few people know that the tool of discouragement belongs to me. The story may be fictional, but the point is true. Discouragement is one of the tools of the enemy. And in too many instances, church, we lose spiritual battles because we show up for the wrong fights. We're worried about money and people and circumstances. And while we are focusing on the wrong things too many times, we leave our hearts vulnerable to the weapon of discouragement to bring us down and to cause us to stop doing what we know is right before the Lord. And so right up front, the text tells us that to deal with discouragement, you must accept the reality of discouragement. And by that, I simply mean that discouragement can happen to anyone, including you. Verse 10 says it happened in Judah. Judah was the foremost tribe of Israel. Judah was the tribe from which every king of Israel had come except the first king, Saul. And after the death of King Solomon, Israel split into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom was called Israel. The southern kingdom, made up of Judah and Benjamin, was named after this faithful tribe of Benjamin. And after Israel had forsaken God, it was Judah, the people of Judah, who remained faithful to God and his word. And after the Babylonian captivity, it would be the people of Judah that God would use to rebuild the walls. Church, Judah had seen God's work in the past, and they were seeing the handiwork of God in their midst at the present time. But at some point, even Judah took their eyes off of God and started focusing on their circumstances. And so verse 10 says, it was said in Judah, that those who bear the burden have lost their strength, and there's so much rubble that by ourselves we are not able to rebuild the wall. If, if, if discouragement can happen to Judah, who are you? <laughs> who am I? Discouragement can happen to anyone, including you. What? Not you. If you think not you, you should go back and read 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, that simply says, Therefore let the one who thinks he is standing firm beware lest he falls. Translation, the prime candidate for fall is the person who thinks it can't happen to me. I repeat, discouragement can happen to anyone, including you. But when you read 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, Go and read the next verse. Verse 13 says that no temptation has overtaken us except that which is common to man. And God is faithful who will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we are able, but along with the temptation will provide a way of escape so that you may bear up under it. Dealing with discouragement, the first thing the text teaches is that you've got to accept the reality of discouragement. Secondly, in dealing with discouragement, you must acknowledge the reality beyond discouragement. Acknowledge the reality behind the discouragement. J.O. Fisher said it well, that all Discouragement is of the devil. Therefore, discouragement should be resisted like sin. Discouragement should be resisted like sin. In other words, brothers and sisters, discouragement is a spiritual issue, not physical, not emotional, not psychological. It's a spiritual issue. Discouragement is not a human problem with earthly solutions. It is a spiritual problem that cannot be fixed unless you know who your God is. It's a spiritual matter, and yet the enemy often disguises the very real nature of discouragement behind seemingly common threats. He often disguises the nature of discouragement behind three common threats. Number one, overwork. Look at verse 10. And in Judah, it was said that the strength of those who bear the burden is failing. The strength of those who bear the burden is failing. They claim that the wall could not be built. Let me broaden that. They claim that that they could not accomplish what God assigned them to do. And the reason in their minds that they could not accomplish what God had assigned them to do was that their strength had run out. When you read that, it seems logical that the problem was that they had run out of energy to do the work, and that seems to make sense. Because church, there is there is a real relationship between physical weariness and spiritual weakness. There's some people that, that don't need to read another verse; they just need a nap. <laughs> I'm telling you, just go to sleep. You'll you'll be a better Christian if you go to sleep. <laughs> Jesus seems to acknowledge this in Matthew 26 verse 41. When he says to his sleeping disciples in the garden of Gethsemane that the spirit is willing, but the what? Flesh is weak. There is a real connection between physical weariness and spiritual weakness. And so it seems on the surface to be what is going on here when the people claim that the wall cannot be built because they have run out of strength. But I commend to you that this was just a smoke screen that veiled the true nature of what the problem really was. And the reason I know that their ability to build the wall was not affected by their lack of strength was because their ability to build the wall was never based on their strength in the first place. They were never strong enough to do it. Look at chapter 2. Go back one page to the left. And in chapter 2, we find where Nehemiah challenges the people to arise and rebuild the wall. And the Bible says, in verse 18, they said, Let us arise and build. And they strengthened their hands for this good work. But, verse 19, Says, Samballot, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite servant, and Geshem, the Arab. When they heard it, they mocked us and despised us. Saying, what is this thing you are doing? Will you rebel against the king? And listen to what Nehemiah said. Nehemiah doesn't say, we are strong enough no matter what you say and no matter what the king does. In verse 20, Nehemiah says, the God of heaven will make us prosper. Verse 19, Samballot tried to frighten Nehemiah by referencing the king. And I like verse 20. Nehemiah says, there may be a king on the throne, but there's also a God in heaven. And our God will prosper us. They began the work not with confidence in their own strength. They, they proceeded with the work. Because they were confident that the God they serve, who reigns over heaven and earth, would make them successful. And so now when they claim that the wall cannot be built because they have a lack of strength, it is obvious to me, church, that the problem is not their schedule, their responsibilities, their commitments. That's not the problem. They did not have a problem of, of schedule. They had a prob- did not have a problem of strength. Their problem, watch me was a theological problem. When they say we are not able in verse 10, that's not about their strength. That's about God. That's God talk. That's theology. And it's the worst kind of theology. It's the kind of theology that doesn't factor in who God really is. There are times, friends, when the burdens of life get so heavy that you may need time for rest and refreshment and renewal. But there are other times I submit to you when you are weak and weary and worried and it has nothing to do with your strength, it's just that you have unplugged from the power source and you're trying to do it by yourself. You need to make sure you are plugged in to the purpose and presence and power of God. There are times when you are tempted to respond in weakness and weariness and weariness that you need to just pull over longer enough to have a meeting with yourself. And you just need to ask yourself three questions. You just need to have a three-point meeting. First of all, either God is with me or He is not. Either the Lord Jesus is at work in this situation or He is not. Either the Holy Spirit is helping me or He is not. And if you determine that God is not on your side, you got a much bigger problem than a lack of strength. But if God is on your side. There are times you got to keep doing what you know is right even when you don't feel like it and remind yourself I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. Are you with me? Sometimes the nature of discouragement is hidden behind overwork Sometimes it's hitting behind obstacles. I'm still in verse 10 In verse 10 it says and it was said in Judah That the strength of those who bear the heavy burden of the work is now failing and look at the next statement There's just too much rubble too much trash Too much garbage There's too much stuff in the way blocking us. In the ancient world, great cities were protected by strong walls so that an enemy could not directly attack. When the Babylonian Empire captured the city of Jerusalem, not only did they seize the city and capture the people, but they burned down the walls. It was their statement of saying, this city will never be rebuilt again. You can't build the city if you don't have walls to protect it. The holy temple was in Jerusalem. It was God's will that that temple be rebuilt. But the temple couldn't minister if the city didn't have a wall to protect it. And So they burned down, broke down the wall. God sent Nehemiah to lead the people to rebuild the wall. And as they worked, there was rubble, trash, garbage all around. And yet verse 6 says, they had built the city up the wall up to half its height in the midst of the rubble. Y'all missing me. Let me try it again. What, what, What was going on here was not that they left the work site one evening and went home and went to bed and woke up the next morning, and while they were sleeping, the enemy had dumped rubble everywhere. Watch this. The rubble had been there all along. And they had built the city wall up to have its height in spite of the presence of the rubble. But the problem now is not that there was rubble present. The problem is now That they are focusing on the rubble instead of focusing on the work. Listen to me, friends. Whenever you're trying to do anything for God, there's always going to be obstacles. The path to the next level is uphill. You can't coast to the next level. You got to work your way there. And there will always be rubble, there'll always be garbage, there'll always be obstacles along the way to block your path. But you must not allow obstacles to cause you to quit doing what is right before the Lord. There was overwork, there's obstacles, but also the real nature of discouragement is hidden sometimes behind opposition. Look at verse 11, and our enemies said, they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. Watch this. they're not, their concern is not just the strength and the rubble but they also are concerned, they're discouraged because they heard what the enemy said. And what the enemy said is they're not gonna see us, they won't know it, till so we're gonna sneak attack and, and they'll never see us coming, and we'll attack and stop the work. For the record, I would encourage you to read the entire book of Nehemiah in the private chambers of your own praying ground, but I'll give you a hint To the story. There are no battles in Nehemiah, no attacks in Nehemiah, no fights in Nehemiah. The dudes we just met at the end of chapter two Sambalit, Tobiah, and Geshem, these are the enemies of the people of God, and they do a whole lot of talking for the whole book, but they don't have any power or authority to back up anything they say. They just do a lot of talking, and just the talk from the enemy. Discourage the people from doing the work. And friends, what I'm trying to say is don't let people discourage you from doing what you know is right. There's always gonna be opposition when you try to do something from God for God. Have you noticed? You don't get a lot of opposition when you're trying to mess up. (laughs) Folk will help you, encourage you, do it with you. But when you're trying to do something for God, don't, don't be too fanatical. Don't go too far. There'll always be opposition. There'll always be roadblocks. Not just people either. Ephesians 6 and 11 says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. People aren't your biggest problem. But we wrestle against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this present age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Beyond what people say and do, there is an enemy of the soul who will try any and everything to get you to quit Doing what you know is right. But let me tell you the three fundamental things you need to know about the devil, and we can move on. The first thing you need to know about the devil is that the devil is real. Secondly, the devil is powerful. Thirdly, wait for it, the devil is defeated. No, you must have didn't hear what I said. I didn't state a promise, I stated a fact. I didn't say the devil will be defeated one of these old days in the sweet by and by when the wicked cease from troubling and the weary will be at rest. I'm talking about right now. I don't have to look forward, I just look back. And the fact that Jesus died and rose from the dead and declared all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. The devil is already defeated. Martin Luther said the devil is God's lapdog. He can only do what God permits him to do. God got the devil on a leash and he can only go so far. He is already defeated. He, he can't bite. He can just bark. <laughs> you must not allow the enemy's bark to discourage you. That's, that's really all he can do. Look at verse 14. Nehemiah called a meeting with the nobles, the officials, and all the people, and listen to what he said to them. First thing he said in this this urgent meeting is this, do not be what? Afraid. That's what the enemy was doing. The enemy could not defeat the work of God. All they could do was to discourage the people of God through fear. And that's the first thing. Nehemiah addressed with the people of God. He said, do not be afraid. And that's what I want to say to you, friends. Do not let fear cause you to quit doing what you know is right. You have no reason to be afraid when God is on your side. Thought I'd have a witness there. I'm glad I brought my own just in case. Psalm 27, verse 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10 says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will heal help you i will uphold you with my righteous right hand and then hebrews chapter 13 verse 6 says we can confidently declare the lord is my helper i will not fear what can man do to me don't be afraid of opposition there's always going to be opposition Can I give you one more piece of bad news there? I mean, it's bad enough to deal with opposition from the outside. But it's worse when you got opposition from the inside. Look at verse 12. While the enemy was talking, In verse 11, verse 12 says that the Jews who lived near us, all around us. Verse 12 says, these Jews who lived near them came from all direction. Who came? The Jews. The the people of God. They are brothers and sisters. Y'all making me work too hard. (laughs) Church folk showed up with something to say. And, And notice, they lived near them and said, you need to come with us. You are doomed, you might as well quit. You should return to us. Notice, they lived all around and they showed up with something to say because they weren't there to help the project. And they said, this will never work. Your only hope of survival is to come home and do nothing with us. If you're not careful, people that should be praying with you Encouraging you and supporting you as you try to do what's right with God can, can be used of the enemy to discourage you. Happens in church all the time. Late Adrian Rogers said every church got a self appointed bucket committee. And when the church is on fire for the Lord, the bucket committee show up and start dumping water on the fire. What Nehemiah is saying, do not let anybody pour water on your fire. Do not let people discourage you from doing what you know is right before God. Accept the reality of discouragement, acknowledge the reason behind discouragement. Thirdly, apply the remedy for discouragement. Apply the remedy for discouragement. What? What should you do when discouragement comes? Several things the text teaches. First lesson, first remedy for discouragement is this. Renew your spiritual focus. Renew your spiritual focus. You see, church, discouragement really is a matter of perception. Discouragement comes when you Become preoccupied with yourself, your situation, or your opposition. This language from verse 10, we are not able, is the rally cry of people who have taken their eyes off of God and started focusing on the circumstances. verse 14, Nehemiah calls a meeting, and he tries to readjust their focus. He said to the nobles, the officials, and to the rest of the people, listen to this. Do not be afraid of them. That's the first command. But notice the second command in verse 14. It'll bless you. Remember the Lord. You want to know how to deal with discouragement? Nehemiah says, remember the Lord. He didn't say seek the Lord. He didn't say meet the Lord. He didn't say find the Lord. If you're in here, friend, and You have never run to the cross and trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, indeed, you need to meet. The Lord, You need to seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. But this context of the story here addresses people who already know God. And he does not tell them that you need to learn who God is. He assumes that you already know. He says your problem is not of knowledge. Your problem is one of forgetfulness. You need to remember the Lord. To remember is to call to one's mind a previous lesson or experience or truth. He says at a time like this, you don't need to meet the Lord. You just need to remember who the Lord is. Who is the Lord? Look at the next phrase. He is the God who is great and awesome. That's how big God is. Because if you you like me, either one of them would have been good enough for me, great or awesome. But our God is great and awesome. And when you are tempted to be discouraged doing what you know is right, the writer says, remember the Lord. Is that your problem today, friend? Could the problem be that you have forgotten who your God is? Cause your problem be that you spend so much time focusing on the problem, the burden, and the challenge? You are looking around, but you forgot to look up and remember who your God is. This is Nehemiah's solution. Just remember the Lord. Remember who your God is. I don't know about you, church, but I don't want to crisis Christianity. I don't want to crisis Christianity. It's been well said that you shouldn't doubt in the dark what God told you in the light. And I resonate with that statement because I don't learn well in the dark. When, it's, when I'm in the darkness of discouragement, I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like studying. I, I don't feel like worshiping. What, what Nehemiah is saying here is that when you're in the dark, of discouragement. That's not the time to learn how to fight. That's the time to fight. It's too late to learn how to fight. Uh, pre-season is over when discouragement comes. You need to be ready for battle. And for that to happen, you need to watch me. You need to have spent some time with your God while the sun was shining. You need to spend some time with God while everything is going well so that when the darkness comes, you can remember the Lord. You need need to get you a journal, and in your journal, you need to to establish a prayer list of names that you're praying for and needs you're praying for, but that should only be one column of your your journal. On one side of your journal, you ought to have a prayer list, but on the other side of of the journal, you need to have a praise list. You need to have a list of prayer requests, but you also need to have a list of answered prayers so that you are building over time a faith file that every time God makes a way you just stick it in your faith file every time God opens a door that's been closed in your faith you just stick it in your faith file every time God brings you through a storm you didn't know how you were going to get through you can stick it in your faith file so that when the next time and if you keep living there will be a next time but when the next time comes and you're worried and you're fearful and you're him. You don't have to quit. You don't have to cave in. You ain't got to throw in the top. You can just go back to your faith file and say, well, this ain't the first time I had to look for a new job. Th- this ain't the first time the doctor gave me a bad report. This ain't the first time I had trouble in my marriage. But the same God that brought me through yesterday, he ain't dead, he ain't sick, and he ain't hurt. He is still able. You just got to remember Remember the Lord. Are you in here with me? I'm still in verse 14. Remember the Lord said Nehemiah, no, no don't just remember but fight. There's sometimes when you know joy is just bubbling over like a river. Sometimes you got to fight for joy. I wish y'all was in here with me. Sometimes you got to fight for peace. You got to fight for strength. He says, "Remember the Lord and fight." But watch me now. Don't fight for you. If it's not for me, who am I fighting for? You? I'm in verse 14. He says, you got brothers and sons and daughters and wives. Don't don't fight for you. Fight for them. Mark it down. Discouragement is rooted in pride. Discouragement rises when I'm preoccupied with self. When I'm too fixated with what's with how I feel, how I'm gonna make what I'm going through, the great psychiatrist Carl Menninger was once asked if you were talking to a person on the verge of a nervous breakdown, what would you tell them? His answer was a surprise because he says I would advise that person to leave their house, lock the door, go across the railroad track and find someone going through something worse and be a help to them. (laughs) Y'all not hearing me here. Sometimes we break down in the midst of what we're going through because we spend too much time focusing on what we're going through. It can even happen when you go to church. Has it ever happened to you? You come to church and you're discouraged, but you get here and you're singing about God. And you, remind, you remember the cross and the blood of Jesus and you think about mission and evangelism and the word and prayer and you're focusing on bigger things and you leave here strengthened and motivated and encouraged and you feel like I can make it and then you go home and start focusing on that stuff again. That you're going through and the previously evicted discouragement moves back into your heart and while it was away it must have been going to the gym because it moves back in stronger than it was the last time you was dealing with it that's because the seed of discouragement listen to this sentence the seed of of discouragement grows strong in the soil of an inverted life. You're going to be discouraged if you spend too much time focusing on you. And so what Nehemiah says is fight, but but the fight is not for you. You got sons and daughters and brothers and wives. Don't fight for you. Fight for somebody else. God has blessed this church <laughs> to have two campuses from which to make disciples of Jesus Christ. On a typical week, I'm preaching in it's, it's churches in this city that, that don't have a place to meet. On a typical week, I'm preaching in one of our four different auditoriums. God has been good to this church, but hear me, God doesn't use buildings to reach people. God uses people to meet people. Some of you, the only reason you in church is because somebody prayed for you, somebody witnessed to you, somebody reached out to you at a low point in your life. No building did that for you. God reaches people through people. And so the devil was not concerned about the wall. He was trying to stop the people because God uses people to reach people. And if you give up... It will be a negative influence on those that God has called you to reach. God wants to use you to reach people. Well, Pastor, I can't preach. I can't sing. So what? But you can do what God tells you to do. And sometimes for you to be used to God, you got to keep telling, keep doing what he tells you to do, even when you find it hard to do it. (laughs) Somebody ought to hear me here. And when you just keep showing up doing what God tells you to do, when you show up and show up with a good attitude, even when it's hard, you don't know who's watching you that can be encouraged just because you hung in there. Riding to this service. I was meditating on this afresh. And a picture, of face came to my mind of Veda May. Y'all don't know Veda May. But there wouldn't be a, an H.B. Charles Jr. without a Veda May. I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for Veda May. Veda May was the president of the choir under my father's ministry. She was the only member who was a part of his church for all 40 years of his pastorate. She was there his whole entire ministry. And on Sunday mornings, my father would often end the services and say to the church, Church, y'all know I love you. I love you so much that if I could hug everybody in here, I'd hug everybody except Veda May. The, the church just knew his affection for Sister Veda May. And when the Lord took my father home and that church called me to be a pastor, Of that church. Many people who had walked with my father for years stood up against me because I wasn't my old man. But the woman who had been there the longest kept praying for me, kept encouraging me. Y'all not hearing me here. I'm trying to tell you it wouldn't be an HB Charles if it wasn't for Veda May. And when she got too sick to sing in the choir, she kept showing up for 8 o'clock service and 11 o'clock service. She just wanted to be there so that I could see her when I preached so that I would know there was somebody that was holding me up. And every now and then, Vader May would get sick, and I'd call Vader May and tell her, I'm coming to visit you. she said, I don't want you to come see me. Just pray for me. I'm going to come back and see you. And when they were counting, Veda May out if the Lord gave us strength she was on that road on Sunday morning and just her presence when things was rough in this young preacher's life and I felt like giving up this woman who was too weak to talk but just the fact that she hung in there was a witness to encourage me to keep going. who in your life does God want you to be Veda May for? Who in your life does God want you to be a witness to by hanging in there even when things get rough? It's easy to quit. It's easy to throw in the towel. It's easy to be discouraged. But you can't be a witness that way. That's why some of us can't witness on our job. Because we complaining every day. We whining and cussing and fussing when things don't go right. It's, it's hard to let other people think that God can make a way out of no way when you need something to help you go to sleep at night. You need something to help you get through the day when you wake up in the morning. Sometimes you just got to pick your faith up and keep going even when it's rough. And sometimes it ain't got nothing to do with you. You got to keep going so that others will know that there's nothing too hard for God. I gotta quit. Look at verse 15. Can I just can I just read read a little more to you? Look at verse 15. So when the enemies heard it, that it was known to us and that God frustrated their plan. You ought to underline that. That's why you ought to keep hanging in there. I don't care what the enemy does, God knows how to frustrate the enemy's plan. So when they heard it, they went all back to the wall, each one back to his work. The key to that statement is they left the work. See, That's the the whole issue. While you're working for God, discouragement is working against you. And let me tell you who wins, the one that keeps working the longest. Discouragement is just trying to get you to quit. Listen what Pastor's saying to me. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on the pursuit of holiness. Don't give up on obedience to that area of your life. Don't give up fighting and resisting that sin you are vulnerable to. Don't give up on your ministry. Don't give up on that dream God has given you. Don't give up on that assignment where he has placed you, even if he's placed you in a war zone. Don't give up! Verse 16. From that day on, half my servants worked on construction and half held the spear. They had shields and bows and coats of mail, and the leader stood behind the whole house of Judah. Judah who were building on the wall. Those who carried the burdens were loaded in such a way that each one labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other hand. I guess my mama was singing this right. Sometimes you got to watch, fight, and pray. <laughs> in verse 19 and I said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, the work is great and widely spread, and we are separated on the wall far from one another. So I made sure, Nehemiah says, everybody had what they needed to fight and work. He'll say earlier that I, I, I posted lookouts on the weak parts of the wall so that we know if the enemy attacked. I gave everybody weapons and equipment to build with, and everybody went back to work. He says,
1: but there's another problem.
0: The problem was that it was a great work and we were too far from one another. Listen to me, that's that's the work of the enemy. A mark of discouragement is a sense of aloneness. In fact, that's the goal of discouragement. Discouragement wants to make you feel that nobody knows and nobody cares what you're going through. And, and this is why we're discouraged, because we think we're, we're in it by yourself. You ain't in it by yourself. You get discouraged, and you, you know what discouragement tell you? I'm too down to go to church today. When, if you' down, that's the very place you need to be. (laughs) You don't want the enemy to get you in a corner by yourself. You you need to be with the people of God. You need Mm -hmm. to spend time with the people of God. Let me tell you something. I'm, I'm gonna tell you something. I'm not a prophet or a son of a prophet. But I can give you a clear prediction. And I, you, you won't, In this room right now is someone who has been through what you're going through. <laughs> you didn't even hear what I just said. Nope. You. I didn't say they going through it. I'm not talking about misery, love, company. I'm talking about they've already been through it. They done come out on the other side. They got a cap, t-shirt, and coffee mug. Help me here, somebody. You are not the only one whose whose marriage has been on the rocks. You are not the only one who didn't know how you were going to pay your bill. You are not the only one who has been diagnosed with cancer and had the doctor to give up on you. But there are witnesses in this room that God did it for them Help me hear somebody and he can do it for you. And maybe, maybe you discouraged because the work is great and you too far. You need to hook up to some prayer partners. I ain't talking about people that are going to quote what Dr. Phil and Oprah said. I'm talking about people who in their word and people who can get a prayer through and people that have confidence that God is able. My voice is gone. I wish I could get it out of my mouth the way I feel it in my heart. But Let me show you one more thing got to set up watches, Nehemiah said, and everybody strap your weapon to you while you build. I got lookouts in vulnerable spots. And he says, look at the text. In verse 18, the end of verse 18, he said, the man who sounds the trumpet, standing, he's standing next to me. So I got lookouts, I got everybody armed, and I got the trumpet guy next to me. So that if the enemy tries something sneaky, I'm going to tell him he's going to blow the trumpet. And if if he's trying to attack your side, we all going to stay close. So that when you hear the trumpet, we'll all come together to protect one another. But look at verse 20. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet. I want us to all to rally together when you hear the trumpet. Look at the last line. Our God will fight for us. We got lookouts. You got weapons strapped to you. I got the trumpet guy here next to me to blow the horn if something go down. And we gonna all support one another But that's not where the victory is. The victory is in the fact that our God will fight your battles. The young boy had reached the age of accountability in his tribe, and he had to go through the rites of passage to become a full member of the tribe. They took him deep into the woods. They would leave him there through the night by himself. If he fled, he didn't pass. They marched him out, they left him there. And as darkness fell, he could see the eyes of predator animals all around, but he didn't move. He could hear roars of animals approaching He could hear the rustling in the trees, but he, he didn't move. And as the night got later, he heard violent sounds and roars and screeches. He was frightened, but he didn't move. He wept, but he didn't move. He feared that he wouldn't make it through the night, but he didn't move. He cried himself to sleep. And when he woke up, the sun had come up. And it was only then that he saw how much true danger he was in, because there were the dead animals that would have attacked him all around. And then he thought, how did they die? He looked behind him and saw standing behind him his father, who was the head of the tribe, had been standing with his bow and arrow all night, taking out any predator that would attack his son. It may be dark in your light, But hang in there. You are not in it by yourself. God is there, and God will fight your battles. I'm finished. God be praised for his work. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For contact information, ministry updates, as well as our live Sunday morning broadcast, please visit us online at shiloh.church. Thanks again for listening. Have a blessed day.